greet you once again, precious name of Jesus. My heart has been blessed after the whole night. And I want to give honor to God's word as we share together. Gather your Bibles and want to follow along and turn it to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 24. Message from the empty tomb. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 through including verse 5. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to the rest, all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Lana, Mary the mother of Jesus, of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Thank God for Peter's, who just need to see for themselves, and then to believe. Let's bow our heads the kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we count it such a privilege to be gathered together today in the house of prayer. Thank you for everyone that has gathered with us. As we worship, Lord, together already, oh, I pray that our worship would ascend your throne as sweet incense. As Sister Carolyn was singing, I just thought, Lord, her voice is heard in the heavens this morning. How our hearts rejoice together that yes, you rose again. It makes Christianity and life all worthwhile to know that we serve a, Christ, a, a Savior who is alive today, not some dead relic or bones in a grave. Jesus Christ is alive inside at the right hand of the Father and he's looking our way interceding for every one of us. Lord, today I pray that you bring that hand of healing upon those that are here today in pain. Those that are suffering. Those, Lord, that have had a heart. Oh, I pray today that you Jesus' presence. 
as you put your arms around me. I just pray you meet every need here today, from young to old to life. As we come, Lord, as believers, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so we say, blessed Holy Spirit, have your unhindered as you minister to every heart this way. I think of those that are sick and afflicted, those that are in rest homes, those that are in hospitals that cannot get out. Lord, be with them wherever they are. And they know that Jesus loves them. And that you're whispering in their ear. And then, Lord, I think of those this very day, there in Tlaqa, hearing that eight churches were bombed this morning. And many, many lives were snapped up. Lord, we realize we're living in wicked and evil days. But Lord, that doesn't deter the fact that you are on the throne today. You're in charge of this old world. And one of these days, you're coming back for your bride, the Church of Christ. So bless now as we worship together. May Jesus Christ be lifted up as our prayer. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. We are living in troublesome times. It seems like wickedness is the world over. But remember something. Our old world has seen bad days in the past. It was a dark day when sin entered into the Garden of Eden. When our first parents brought death sorrow into the world. It was a dark day when sin had grown so great that God condemned the new world and destroyed everyone but Noah and his family by a flood. It's a dark day when we recall history plagues that sweep over our land and many, many lives are perished. It's a dark day when we hear of tornadoes and fires and terrible storms, earthquakes, and just a few weeks ago that snow bomb, is a new term, that resulted then in flooding, floods of the century, they said. But friends, the darkest day of all was when Jesus Christ hung on a cross. I don't know if you thought like I did this week, Holy Week, thoughts of what Jesus was going through. Thursday night was a wonderful service here to church, and Monday, Thursday service, a meal, communion, foot washing. The presence of the Lord was so real. And then Good Friday, throughout the day, I was thinking where Jesus would be. And then Saturday, as we met with our family, or would be our Easter meal, I said to them, Jesus would be lying in the tomb today. But Sunday's coming. Praise the Lord, Sunday's coming, and it came. That little tomb for the Lord. Yes, cruel hands forced him outside of the city walls up to Golgotha. I walked that that road, his cobblestones. 
I looked at Mount Calvary where those three crosses stood. And Jesus was hung in the center cross from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. His heart broke for you and me. And even the sun later refused to shine. Yes, this was the darkest day of all. The day God's only begotten Son, His beloved Son, met death because of our sin. Every one of us here today, it's our sin that put Him there. Just imagine being there to take in these events. In your mind, you can see Jesus hanging on the cross, crying out His utterances, and finally, Scripture says, in a loud voice, he dealt with those who breathed his last. Now his body on them. Now he must be removed before sundown because the Sabbath preparations were to begin. And that was so very important for the Orthodox Jew. And so you see two friends hurrying up the hill. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, who had gotten permission from Pilate himself to take down the body. In fact, when they went to Pilate, Pilate called for the centurion. He said, is he dead already? So soon? Some people would live a day or two on a cross. Jesus was dead in six hours. So they got permission. They went and they tenderly take the body down from the cross they purchased brand new white linen. They wrapped his body and carried it to Joseph's brand new tomb. There to bury him. Now Calvary is not that very far from the tomb. Maybe a hundred yards or less. Remember, we sat in the pavilion and looked over at the Mount Calvary where he died. And then we walked down through the garden just a few short paths and there it was, sort of down in. There was a tomb. Oh, I had goosebumps. A feeling, I don't know how to explain it, but excitement. Here's the tomb. They placed the body of our Savior there, the Savior of the world. We know the story. A Roman seal was put over the heavy stone that had been rolled over the opening. Because the Jewish leaders feared that the disciples would steal away the body and then put out the false report that Jesus is alive. So they went to all measures. But we know that Jesus was now dead. That's what they want. And they believe they had finally accomplished it. I believe all of hell was rejoicing about that moment. We got him. Yes, even his disciples ran away in fear and dismay, hiding for their lives, full of despair, weeping, saying all is lost. Their leader was now dead and gone. But death could not hold him. Hallelujah. Man-made tomb of stone cannot imprison the creator of all the universe. Friday goes by, Saturday goes by, but Sunday's coming, and it came. 
very early morning, the dawn hours, some women who loved Jesus so much felt it was so rough and so improper they wanted to do the right thing, the spices and ointment and prepare the body as their custom was. They feared that it was just too quick. Surely now they knew there was a large stone over the door entrance. How would they get in? How would they be able to get in? The Roman guard was there. No one would dare open the door and break the seal. You can imagine their amazement as they hurried there and suddenly there was an earthquake. But they kept going. They got to the place, they saw the huge stone was rolled back. There was no one there. The guards had fled. There is a channel, a stone channel, that is along the front of the tomb where the roll, the stone would roll. Now it's gone. I wonder where, where it got to, but over the centuries, somehow it's missing. But these women were determined, thank God for Christian women. They were bolder than the men that day. And then when they went back to the report, the men didn't believe You ever think about that? You see, in that culture, a woman's word was worthless. They were never used in a court of law. It was always the men. There had to be two men, but how God used the women to first come to the tomb and then to bring the announcement. He gave him this message. I want to read from Luke 24, 5 through 8, out of the Amplified New Testament, if I may. And as the women were frightened, were bowing their faces to the earth, the men said to them, you know those were the angels, why do you look for the living among those who are dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be given over to wicked men, sinful men, that is, men whose way or nature is to act in opposition to God, and to be crucified, and on the third day rise from death. And then they remember his words. It was now the greatest thing and gladdest, grandest message ever given to the world. Beloved, Jesus Christ is alive. I'll say it again. Jesus Christ is alive. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Sitting at the right hand of God Jehovah, Death could not hold him. The grave could not imprison him. He's alive forevermore. Praise his name. Yes, his friends saw him in his resurrected body many times over the next 40 days. And then he ascended back into heaven and is there today with all the saints that have gone on before us. It's wonderful. It's true. He's alive. Lives today. And so, dear friends, we're not worshiping a dead Savior as many other religions do today. No, we're worshiping one who conquered death, 
conquered in faith, is waiting for every one of us. So let's consider now together the proof. The proof of the resurrection. We know that Jesus was dead. The Bible is very clear about that. History teaches us that. But you know there's still some that want to believe that he faked his death and somehow survived his crucifixion. Just I think it was yesterday or was it Friday, I heard that Lou Strobel's being interviewed on the radio. Maybe you heard that at WBAC. And he brought out some thoughts. I guess I just had never realized how that really was. Do you know what a scourging was? I shuddered as he described. You know, they had those whips with lace, little bones and stones on the end, maybe glass. And they would whip a body until the, the muscles were shown, even bone. The bowels would sometimes hang out. And you could fake it death. Then he went to the cross and hung how many hours? Six hours in agony. But he survived. And then think for a moment, when his disciples met him, how did they react? They were such so, so surprised and, and all. Did they see a torn, shattered, bloody, pulpy body? They saw a new, resurrected body that God had given him. Let alone the soldiers piercing his side with a spear. Joseph. Handling the dead body, taking it down from the cross. The disciples John and the women that were far off heard Jesus cry, heard him give up at last, and said it was picture and bowed his head in death. And yet the report came out that his body was stolen. The Jews certainly didn't steal it. Nor did the disciples. All the Jewish Sanhedrin would give money to deny and repudiate the resurrection. That that would never do. And so when the soldiers came to the Jewish leaders reporting to them what had happened, and I am sure those soldiers were shaking. The Bible says they fell down as dead men. About the earthquake, the stone rolling back, the empty tomb. And they said, What what can we tell people? Matthew 28, verses 12 through 15, says the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you're to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. This report gets to the governor, we'll, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And the story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Sounds a little like the fake news we hear today. First of all, any soldier that fell asleep on duty, what would happen to him? He'd be killed. And secondly, how would the disciples have gotten in there quietly breaking the seal and rolling that huge stone back without being heard or caught? 
Just think about it. A testimony like that would be totally laughed out of the courtroom. And where were the disciples during this time? They were hiding behind locked doors, fearing for their own lives. Now the next proof is that he appeared many times to so many different people after his resurrection. He appeared in his new resurrected body to the women, to the eleven disciples, to the men on the road of Amos, and the five hundred people at once, and then to his disciples on the mount as he ascended back into heaven. Now, his close friends had been with him for over 300 years. <laughs> Three years. Every day in ministry. How could they be fooled? They knew who he was. Forty days after his resurrection, they affirmed he was alive. Now, there's another proof. What happened to the disciples? Remember, they were those fearing people hiding away. That was before they realized what took place. They were afraid of the Jewish mom. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. But look at them now. They had seen the Christ. They had seen Jesus who overcame and conquered <coughs> the grave. And they knew he would never forsake them. Do you know that today? Amen. They'll never forsake us. They had no fear. They went out boldly witnessing proclaiming that he was alive. They had a new, strange power within. History tells us that all but two died a martyr's death. The influence of Jesus on our world is another proof of his resurrection. No man that has ever lived has influenced so many people as Jesus Christ. Saul the murderer became Paul the evangelist. Peter the drunken, cursing sailor became a preacher. And both Peter and Paul were writers of the books of the Bible. Oh yes, many drunkards have become missionaries and church leaders. Prisoners have become preachers, teachers, businessmen, God-fearing laymen. I'm still in contact with a gentleman uh, down in the Florida prison that I had such a privilege of being his chaplain back well, 29, 30 years ago now. But that dear young man went through college while in prison, got his degree, and writes me regularly. And right now is so close to being released. And if he gets released, what do you think he wants to do? He wants to come and see Chaplain Kiefer and speak to his precious I tell you, God has killed that young man. I say young man, he's probably in his 50s, 60s now. But God has filled him with his love, and he wants to share with others. So I'm praying James can get out and can come. You better hurry up. I can't be here forever. <laughs> yes, many people have risen up out of a sinful life and of wickedness. And now today live lives of praise and honor and glory to their Lord and Savior. So for more than 2,000 years, his influence has been on our world. And guess what? 
He's not finished yet. He's still working in the hearts of people. Miracle after miracle, his lives are transformed. And his word is still being preached to all the nations in a way never before heard of through the internet. It's just amazing how it's going out. Another proof of his resurrection is the hope that he gives to every one of us. And there is hope after life, or after death, because he was raised from the dead. He went that path. You know that last hour until you're ready to go into eternity, he's going to be there to take you because he knows the way. We will someday be raised to life stories told of a couple that had a beautiful little girl that they both so adored. Sometime later, the mother took sick and was very, very low, and finally she died, leaving the husband and the little girl brokenhearted. The night of the funeral, the little girl said, Daddy, may I come and sleep with you tonight? So he consented. Lying there in bed, they talked together and that's it got later. He thought the little girl went to sleep and he began to talk with the Lord, saying, Oh Lord, it's such a dark night. But I'm trying to trust you, trying to believe you're going to help me. Suddenly, the little girl reached out. She wasn't asleep. Took her daddy's hand and said, Daddy, I'm so scared. And so he held her close sharing sweet thoughts with her, and she did go to sleep. And then it dawned on him. That's what Jesus is going through. He's holding me close, and he's telling his son, it's going to be all right. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to help you through this. He said words of comfort just filled his heart, and peace flooded his soul. And I'm so thankful times like that we can turn I'm sure every one of us here today have lost loved ones. They're very precious and dear to us. But oh, how Jesus comes and puts his arm around you in those hours. You can feel the prayers of the saints. Romans 8, verse 34 says, It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession Friends, today we can be so thankful that Jesus is interceding for every one of us here today. His resurrection teaches us death is not the end. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23, these words. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Whereas in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. The words firstfruits in the Old Testament images is first the installment of a crop that they anticipate and they guarantee it, a total harvest coming. Because Christ rose from the dead for those who are asleep in Christ 
having guarantee of their resurrection. By Adam's transgression of the law, death came to all. But now Jesus became the perfect sacrifice to take away sin and bring new life and resurrection to all who believe. Praise the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, In Christ shall we all be made alive. Because Jesus was obedient unto death, we can be obedient to righteousness. Some glorious day when Jesus comes back for us, we're going to be raised and changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And his glorious resurrection, because he lives, we too shall live. Oh yes, we're going to see our loved ones, those that have gone on before, but even greater than that. Can you just imagine with me what it's going to be like when Jesus appears before us? The one who loved us so much, taking our place, he made heaven possible for all who call upon his name. Yes, there's a call to resurrection. Every Sunday morning at the Believer's Gathering, we again realize that this is Resurrection Sunday. We rejoice in the fact that we serve a risen Savior, one who has called us out of the life of sin. Sin crucified Jesus, but he came back to victory over sin, death, and the grave. And with his help, every one of us here can be victorious. Think of Simon Peter. He denied Jesus three times. Even cursed and swore. And then the rooster crowed. And then Jesus turned and looked at him. I'm sure it was a very sad look. That pierced Peter's heart. And he went out and went bitterly. But he didn't just weep and weep and weep. He was crying out for forgiveness and restoration. And he too was given a living hope. So friends, today we can go everywhere without shame and declare that Jesus Christ is our Savior. It's the good news of salvation. It starts with prayer. For those who aren't saved, oh, seek the Lord. Call upon him. And he will hear your cry. And he will forgive. It means sharing a word here and there as the Spirit prompts. It means living a life before our fellow man. We can live an honest life. And we give glory, we give honor to the Christ who saved us. Yes, some may be called to preach. I wonder how many preachers we have here this morning. Others may go as missionaries. But we're all called to live a life before our fellow man. Begins a year next door neighbor. I remember some years ago a missionary couple went to Romania and they came back. The, the dear wife was always such a quiet, timid lady. You know what she said? We're not greater or something so different than you because now you call us a missionary. We just went to Romania and lived among our neighbors just as you are. And live the life of Jesus Christ. And when they see a difference, they would come and ask, we would share Christ with them. When you cross the pond, does it make you something else? You take Jesus with you.
wherever you are. Bloom where you're planted. Be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. We all have giftings. We all have talents. We're giving back to Jesus in a life Sister Carolyn has a granddaughter, great granddaughter, here that said she wants to sing just like me. And I think she will. Yes, she will. I like how Paul says in Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, we were baptized in his death just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of there it is. Walk before the Lord and your fellow men. Are you satisfied this morning with your walk? Oh, if not, Jesus has something for you. If there's things in your life that are not pleasing to the Lord, your prayer should be, Oh God, come and meet my need. Show me what to do and I will do it. Friends, we want to give our best to we want to walk with him every day. I trust that's your desire. Let's stand together now as the worship team comes.